0: What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation uh, Hero Talk Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Stewart. we got a great show lined up for you guys today. Plenty of DC news coming out of uh, a big interview that Walker Armada did with the New York Times. we got some clarity in regards to some of the uh, franchises that they're going to be, uh, or properties they'll be working on in the near future, where we'll be seeing those um uh, future projects and some of the uh, actors that we'll be seeing moving forward with some of the more prominent characters in the DC universe. We also got some news regarding the Suicide Squad that uh, was also pretty big today or, or in the last few days that was confirmed as well. And then we got some uh, Marvel Disney Plus stuff as well, some some clarity regarding uh, how exactly how many episodes WandaVision will be and how that will impact the rest of Marvel's cinematic schedule for the rest of the year. And uh, a big casting in another uh, uh, Marvel uh, Disney Plus series set to debut this year. So, a lot of good stuff happening on this podcast. Looking forward to talking about it all. Joining me uh, is my co-host starting, or are my co host starting with Shamari Stewart. Sham, uh, what's up, dude? And we're looking forward to talking about today.
1: Hey, man. I'm glad to be here on the show, as always. Um, uh, we, we have a, a lot of interesting things to talk about today. Uh, so... Probably at the top, which uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to jump into. uh, Is uh, we have a story on Michael Keaton in the DCEU, which I never saw coming. Uh, So I'm very much looking forward to talking to that uh, because I haven't seen him in uh, the in the cowl um, in quite a while. So I'll be interesting interesting to talk about.
0: Kendall joins us as well. Kendall, what's up, dude? What you look? What are you looking forward to talking about today? I am very interested to talk
2: about WandaVision, EJ. We've got WandaVision coming up now in uh, two weeks, um, uh, less than two weeks at this point. And uh, it's gonna be very fascinating. We'll have a uh, Disney Plus special later this week that'll be uh, sort of previewing WandaVision a little bit uh, called Legends. Um, uh, And so, but we have some other news uh, that we got confirmation from within Marvel regarding that show, which I actually think is more interesting than I think people are giving it credit for, considering the stuff that I've heard about it. Um, I think that we could be in for a very interesting 2020. Or 2021, rather. I was like,
0: yeah, 2020 happened, and it was terrible. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah, did,
2: yeah. yeah we did have a uh, an interesting 2020, but... Uh yeah, it seems like we'll have a
0: very uh, an even more interesting 2021 when it comes to Marvel oh, Studios. Oh, okay, well <laughs> yeah, I think I regard. think every, yeah I agree with Shamar. I think everyone feels like uh, whatever you think of 2020, we don't want anything to feel like that in 2021. <laughs> so whatever your your definition of interesting, may be a little different than ours, Kendall. But nonetheless, I do think that there is reason for excitement regarding uh, the MCU and some of the stuff they're working on for 2021, and we'll talk about that later on in the show. But I do want to begin talking about uh, DC and talking about Walter Hamada. he did an interview with the New York Times and kind of just talking about the future of what they're doing you know I think that uh, to me you know one there was some news about Ray Fisher not really uh, returning to the franchise that perhaps uh, may have been part of the reason why we had him do this but I think also you know you know I think that DC kind of got rocked by all that those Marvel drops we had a couple weeks ago. The Disney Investor Day. So I think that, you know, the good people over at Warner Brothers, you know, like, get out there and tell them some good stuff we're doing. So uh, he's been doing some more interviews and recently spoke to the New York Times. And in that interview, he spoke about the future of Batman. So as we know, uh, there's the Batman movie coming out. And then there's also this this Flash movie that's expected to have at least one, if not two, Batman in it. And the rumor all over the internet and and dc has all but confirmed it is that michael keaton will certainly be one of them and in speaking about the batman one of the more interesting quotes he he mentioned was that uh warner brothers will have two different film sagas involving batman played by two different uh, actors running at the same time so that led uh people uh including um uh, uh one user on twitter to reach out to uh uh Brooks Barnes, who wrote this article in the New York Times, to get more clarity on what exactly he meant by that. So he tweeted Barnes saying, based on your homotopy, some have interpreted that WB is doing franchises starring uh, Batman, one with Pattinson and one with a new actor. Is that correct? Or, 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 or you were referring to Keaton as second Batman, being part of a non-Batman-centric saga. Barnes responded saying that he was referring to Keaton. So You know, again, I don't know, uh, DC has not actually ever come out and said that Keaton is Batman. So this is probably the closest we've gotten probably to real true confirmation of what DC's plans are with Batman and how Keaton plays into it. So in that landscape, that would mean that not only are you going to have the Rob Pattinson Batman that, you know, that's created in the universe created by Matt Reeves, but you're also going to have this Michael Keaton Batman that will be running around in the DC universe which is stuff that we've heard, but you know, this is probably the first time we're really, truly seeing, you know, or even imagining how this could possibly work. So, Sham, given that this appears to be what's going on, what do you make of, of this news that you know, beyond just this flash movie, that you know, Michael Keaton is now the, the a Batman, a, a, a head of the, of a Batman franchise that will be seen on the big screen? Uh, I mean, it would seem that
1: he would be a Batman, uh, since he was Batman before, and he's gonna be in a Batman movie playing a prominent role. I mean, it would seem to imply that he's some kind of Batman. Um, now, I would have wished, or would have hoped, that as Kendall had theorized uh, a while ago, and others had theorized, it would have been more of a Batman Beyond. Maybe an older Bruce Wayne kind of deal, Terry McGinnis, which, of course, you all know how long we've been we've been asking for Terry McGinnis to just show up. Just
2: add it, it on HBO Max. Just go watch it. Drop it
1: on HBO Max. Easy, Easy. That's an easy one, you know. But, you know, whatever. They, they don't want to make money. No, I'm just kidding. Um,
0: but, you know. Like, yeah, trust me, Shamari. Warner Brothers of all companies wants to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the main thing we've seen, Shamari, is that they'll do whatever it takes. Yeah, you know. if it means making more money.
1: Yeah, I mean they they gotta start hiring some more. Uh, I don't know, hiring some more some more people to to, <laughs> to pitch some new ideas. <laughs> Fair enough. But um, uh, but yeah. So I mean, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't really know how to feel about it. I mean, I don't. When I think about seeing Keaton as Batman again. It doesn't get me excited really. You know, obviously he's much older. Um, it, it's you know the 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 movie magic in terms of convincing me that it's him in the suit. Really doing karate or whatever they're gonna have him doing is gonna be harder, you know, because he's Michael (laughs) Keaton. So it's like I don't, I don't believe for a second that this is him throwing this thug into a wall, you know. So I don't really know. (laughs) Maybe that, maybe they're not gonna, (laughs) maybe they're not gonna do that, you know. Maybe they're not gonna have him do that. You know, of course you have Matt Reeves taking the more detective route, right? Or maybe this is gonna older Batman. Maybe they're going more of a Dark Knight Returns kind of vibe. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, but. Though even in Dark Returns, he's throwing guys to wall. I don't so I don't know what exactly they're going for with this. Um I think Michael Keaton's a fantastic actor. I have no doubt he can play Bruce Wayne in any way, shape, or form. I think he did child play portraying Bruce Wayne before. Some people prefer him, say some people like him the most as Bruce Wayne. So, I don't know. It's interesting. I'm intrigued. I think Warner Brothers will will do a good job or a decent job in terms of Giving us a Batman that's believable. I don't think they're they're just going to give us an old 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 Batman that they're going to try to trick us into thinking he's like an athlete. You know, I don't think it's going to be in it anything like that. So, uh, so yeah, I'm intrigued. I don't really know what to make of it, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing to show. What are you, yes Yeah,
0: uh, I
2: actually have a question for you guys. Trick question. All right, you're playing games. So, of course, you mentioned Batman. That- Batman Beyond. Mm. Uh, now streaming on on HBO Max. Uh, nine ninety nine a month. No. <laughs> uh, what year do you do? You guys would would you guys guess or do you know what year H, uh, Batman Beyond takes place?
1: What
0: year oh, it takes that's place? Oh, have a good yeah. question. Um, All right, no. so show so sure came, like, yeah. sure came out like like early new millennium, like probably. I think. It came out like yeah yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, right around that time. Uh, let's go with 2028. I don't know. What's your guess number? I don't
1: know. 2018,
2: 2022. <laughs> so the main timeline takes place in 2039. Okay.
0: Right.
2: Which is believable because I'm thinking I'm like if it's like 2020, then I'm gonna be like, well, I mean, we're nowhere near that kind of technology and so, stuff. But the original, like the initial timeline in the pilot, where Batman is old before they do a time job. Yeah. Is twenty nineteen. It's twenty years mm. into the future. Twenty years into the past rather. Interesting. Uh right now we're in twenty 2020. twenty. So twenty twenty one. So now we're twenty twenty one. Exactly. Thankfully. Uh yeah, no, exactly, right? And so now we're in twenty twenty one. So this timeline would match up with where that Batman was uh in that in that and of course obviously Batman returns came out in what, eighty nine. Uh, or Batman, you read the original Batman and the Batman Returns, um, you would wonder if their their plan is to do Batman Beyond because of that, that the way that timeline works. Like, do we get kind of a, do we get a couple scenes where Michael Keaton is that Batman that Shemar talking about, where he's throwing guys through walls, but like, it's kind of not believable because you know, like this guy's like 60. But then there's some sort of time jump where we get into the Batman Beyond universe. That's that would be my suggestion, and the way that timeline works out, to me, makes sense. The other question I would have, though, is there have been some reports. Grace Randolph came out and said that she's saying that, or she's hearing, that this is Batgirl, or that, that he's, he's going to be playing a support role in a Batgirl project. Um, to me, that sounds more likely than Batman Beyond. I hope it's Batman Beyond, but I think it's more likely that we get Batgirl or some sort of, maybe it's a sort of mix of Batgirl and Batman Beyond, which I wouldn't want to see, but mm-hmm. I would watch it, but it wouldn't be my it wouldn't be my choice. Um but I could see that being a possibility as well. Maybe we get Batgirl Beyond, you know? I mean maybe that's what they want to call it. Uh but I, I could see them going with that that sort of timeline and that's the only way that you can do this Keaton thing. You know, I I can't imagine that we're gonna get a, a full on Michael Keaton Batman movie where he's just Batman. Um you I mean I'm sure it would sell tickets but uh, from a story perspective and just the way it would look, it would, it would look kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you cast another actor or actress next to him, that's actually playing the Batman character or Batgirl, Batgirl character, uh, they can make, I think, I think it could work. But um, my guess is Batgirl. Um, that would just make the most sense from a, from an organizational standpoint, from a studio standpoint is it's, it's uh it seems like it's something that they've wanted to do for a long time and they haven't been able to get off the ground. This is the easiest way to go to go about doing it. You need to have a Batman. And what better Batman to pick at this point than the the, the first one really or really the second we've got kind of Adam West but the, the the first one in the modern in the modern era. So uh that's my yeah. guess of what's happening. I I want this to be Batman Beyond, but I I'm, I'm imagining that this is
0: Batgirl. Yeah, and you know to Shamari's point, I think we all kind of agree that um, none of us are really trying to see Michael Keaton as like a Batman that's like, you know, fighting people in Gotham City and running with the Justice yeah. League. Like, that's not, you know, he's 69 years old and uh, he's in, first of all, phenomenal shape and he looks great and props to him for uh, full kind of way he's at in his life. But that's not conducive or beneficial for anybody really involved. So... It's definitely going to have to be some kind of mentor role where, yes, he's quote unquote Batman, but he's not necessarily, um, you know, throwing thugs through walls, as you guys were saying earlier. So it's got to be some kind of project where he's linked up with other young people. I know we've talked about um, Nightwing in the past. I don't know where the hell that project is. Uh, We haven't heard about it in a very long time. Seems to be very much in the back burner. Um, There's a lot of Internet and fan push to do Batman Beyond. But from what I can see, from a distance, it doesn't seem like there's anything, uh, there, there, any of that interest inside Warner Brothers' halls. You know, it seems like they're committed to, um, to what their plans are. And I've, I've never heard any interest in doing a Batman Beyond movie. I feel like we've, we've talked about this almost every year we've done this podcast. And I don't think I, we've done, we've had one story Something that was concrete that Batman Beyond was being considered. So um, now I, I've seen people online say, you know, if you wanted to do diversity, you know, why why couldn't you make Terry McGinnis a woman? Um, if you wanted to do a, a woman, but you want to, do, you didn't want to do Batman, you wanted to do Batman Beyond, but you don't want to have another male white uh, straight actor. You know, what if you did Terry McGinnis as a woman? And that's something that you could certainly do. Uh I don't think it's necessarily necessary, but Um, It sounds like, I agree, based on the next story we'll talk about probably, um, Batgirl would be the angle where this would make sense, you know, and it it would be different and new in the sense that, you know, I feel like with Batgirl, we've kind of always envisioned her place in the Batman family as like, you know, someone who's around while Batman is still out here fighting crime, you know, not necessarily, you know, a mentor there is a mentor mentee relationship but it's very different like she's you know like batman is still very much in his prime while batgirl's running around in every iteration we've seen so this would be a definitely a new spin if you're talking about batman being retired and he's handed the reins to you know a batgirl who's now uh you know picking up his war on crime so that would be that would be interesting but and i agree with you guys and you know I just think Batman Beyond is just so fresh. It's a, it's a story that you know hasn't been really um, touched on since you know DC and Warner Brothers did it so long ago, and it's so popular with so many fans. And I think that you know if you could take like Batman and like mix it with like Blade Runner, I think that's what you would kind of get with Batman. Uh, Batman Beyond, and just thinking about how amazing yeah, right. that would be in 2021 like but to me that's printing money in my opinion um as long as you write to do the right story and you, yeah. you cast the kind of right actors that that to me makes a lot of sense uh that girl makes a lot of sense too so i see why they go on that route and who's to say that they don't they don't do both you know there's there's no reason why you can't have um both to be fair but it you know you would think that if you're going to do this it's probably going to be you know, it only, this town's only big enough for one person, and you would think that right now, Batgirl will have the inside track. Yeah. Yeah, 100%.
2: Um, it, they've they've said in the past that they want every... Uh, when they... when they, if They're going to do what HBO Max you knows from it. Yeah. Um, Something where you get, where you do get kind of a both, uh, or maybe something similar. Maybe you give maybe you have a Batgirl that takes place more so in the in the recent era. You know, beyond do that. They can end. it will probably end up being one thing in a way So uh, I'm not. I know I'm. I'm
1: already, uh is all in on Batman Beyond. I mean, I'm all in on Batman Beyond. I'm not really in at all on on just blending Batgirl with Batman Beyond. <laughs> I mean, you want to do Batgirl? I say you should do Batgirl. Right. Give me Barbara Gordon. Right. You know, do it. But it, it, but you have a Barbara Gordon that's essentially replacing
2: Batman as Batman, like, and Batman training and mentoring Barbara Gordon the same way she he mentors Terry McGinnis, and he's too old to do the job. Like that would essentially be Batman Beyond. I think that's for Batgirl's gonna
0: end up being. You wouldn't be okay with that, yeah. Because, real quickly, Sham. Because, like to me, like this would be kind of like the vision you would have had if you were continuing Christian Bale as Batman. I know I'm kind of blending a lot of ideas now. Because remember that, you no, know, the you no, know, uh, that 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 uh, Gordon's daughters in that in that movie are really young. You know, right. they they're like five or six years old to me, if I remember correctly, his daughter in that movie. So, like, if th- we continued that timeline, it would make sense for, like, Bale to be old and, like, giving the reins to like Batgirl. That's not something we've really seen. You know, again, typically we've seen it be, you know, Batman in his prime and Barbara's a-, a older, you know, maybe young adult or maybe a teenager sometimes. But most right. of the time she's, like, a young adult. more of a psychic. Right, exactly. So this would be mm-hmm. different, but it's not like... There isn't a clear roadmap for how you would do it. It'd just be that Gordon had a you know a daughter when, you know he was older and Batman was in his prime. You could still do Barbara Gordon and everything. It just would be the dynamics would be slightly different. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I just
1: I I I, I would just prefer to have it be more more um, accurate to the source material. For sure. I I I mean that should yeah. yeah, I man, it's just my preference. I prefer to have Terry McGinnis, and you know, you can have Barbara Gordon be, you know, closer to, you know, age where she either is Batman sidekick, or Batman sidekick at one point. You know, if they wanted to do a Batgirl that was, I not not like not of course didn't replace Nightwing, but had kind of a similar ish story, I guess. Maybe, um, but I just want Batman Beyond. <laughs> you know, so I hope they, I hope they're not. I hope, I hope that's not the case. I hope they're not blending the stories. I hope they're keeping one. I hope when they do Batgirl, it's Batgirl, and when they do Batman Beyond, it's Batman Beyond.
0: Why do you guys think that? Like, because to me, I don't know. Like, I, you know, look, the people at Warner Brothers, they should have a much better handle on their properties and what people want more than i do but why does it seem like these warner brothers in particular and there's only two real people in the game it's disney and warner brothers why does it feel like they just are so like wary of just giving the fans what they want i know that's like a theme we've had in this podcast a lot and shout out to Jalen rose for like that like concept but like to me Yes, people want Batgirl. I've never seen anybody talk about Batgirl being done in this way, and the way no. the the way the way that the way that people talk about Batman Beyond and what they want would be how you would do this. So it's like like who's the person that says, "Well, they don't exactly want this, and they don't exactly want this. Well, let's just do this thing and combine it together." And again, we don't know for sure that's what's going to happen, but if that is what happens, part of me is like. Why didn't you just do the Batgirl that people wanted with the Gotham City Sirens, and it would've been all fine and good? And why didn't you just do Batman Beyond with <laughs> Keaton as Batman and you find a Terry McGinnis and you do that story? And like I, I guess to me, like I would love to. And ironically, I, I posted a tweet and um, about you know someone someone had posted, "What's your podcast dream?" And I said my dream would be to interview uh, Feige and Hamada separately, obviously, but. Because there are so many questions I would have, and that's probably a question I'd ask both of them, is that, like, what is, like, the biggest detriment to you guys just following what people are saying on the internet? I'm not saying I want fan so, fiction, but, like, to me, it just seems like sometimes I think both companies kind of jump through hoops and in, in create things that nobody's asking for. So I think Marvel has a very specific
2: vision and a very specific strategy, and so... I think they're always I think their goal. I think they try to give the fans what they want, but I think it. it there, there's a level of patience and a level of, uh, you know, uh, there's a there's a structure and a steps. There's steps that they have to go through. There's a, there's an order of operation before we get to the Fantastic Four, before we get to the X Men, that kind of thing. Uh, with DC, it's not nearly as structured. Um, I think DC looks at their their movie selection and their story selections, uh. A little bit it's almost similar to lucasfilm but i think they 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 go about it almost i don't want say checking boxes but i i think they have i think their their goal is to put out movies again we talked about it that make money you know warner brothers you know that's their thing uh they want to make money uh all these places want to make money but i think that they they think of the properties um not from a superhero movie standpoint but just from any any movie standpoint and uh Batgirl seems like and we'll get to some stuff about what's safe and what's risky later, but Batgirl in theory seems like a safer project than Batman Beyond. And I maybe disagree with that, but they may look at it as a safer project. Um and you know, it's kind of it's kind of something where it's all right, you know, it's a little simpler, not as not as hard to mess up, whereas Batman Beyond, you know, it's a risk. Uh, and again, I think they all ended up being kind of what the, they kind of end up being the same thing in a lot of regards. Yeah. Uh, but then, then you have that demographic thing where you're checking off a box of now you have a female character. Uh, they've had Wonder Woman, um, and they've had obviously Birds of Prey, but now they get another one, and that'll and Wonder Woman and DC has always been they've been ahead of Marvel in that regard, you know. And some of that had to do like promoter, you know, kind of kind of slowing down the, the you know because I promoter didn't think that. Uh, female movies could could work, uh, and Kevin Feige uh, now running the you know holding the reins at Marvel Studios completely now starting to produce more female led content. But uh, I do think that DC has been has been ahead of the game in that and in that regard, and I think a, a Batgirl project would only further that. But I think that there are demographic reasons why I think they'd rather do Batgirl. Uh, mm-hmm. I would argue that you know again, I mean Terry McGinnis, you know you could certainly cast an asian actor you can cast a black actor to play terry mcginnis and uh it wouldn't change the story uh so um you know mm-hmm. and they don't have an asian-led character uh an asian-led movie uh yeah, I mean, marvel does now at this point with shane t but i don't know
0: that would be my, that would be my my take on that I mean, yeah, I, after tomorrow, I, I, yeah after what i was gonna say i feel like in the past you know i've you know and to be fair and maybe it's unfair and I want to give fairness to to this creator. I, you know, I feel like when I've made this, when I've broached this discussion, usually my the ire of that has been Zack Snyder and this idea that, you know, he at times I think has come across a little arrogant and thinking that, you know, his way, only his way of how he views these characters is how they should be presented in 2020 or whatever year he's making his movie. And I feel like a lot of the times it's a very flawed way of thinking that, that you're, your creative idea is the only idea that makes sense. Um, but to be fair, you know, again, I don't. I think since he's been gone, we've kind of seen the same thing. It's the same discussion we had with Wonder Woman in 1984. We got a movie that nobody asked for, and it was what it was. Some people loved it. Some people did it. Um, and we've seen other examples of DC just doing things that or were working on projects that nobody's asking for. It feels like, you know, with Static Shock, which we'll talk about soon, you know, we had to, you know, people have been begging for years, pretty much, for them to do something like this. You know, what do you think, what do you think goes into that process of seeing what the fans want on the internet and deciding, ah, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to give you something different, and you're going to like it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to an
1: extent, um, I think is a good example, even though I very much enjoy Jack Zach Snyder's movies. That's, exactly. Um, I think to an extent. It's that eccentricity of a lot of movie makers, and like Kendall said, it's similar to Lucasfilm. Where it's kind of like just you know, kind of like a random. It's like a but like one of the Riddler's boxes or something. You know, the question mark. You don't know what's in it. Right. You Just you know, you get. You, I mean, I'm doing a I'm doing a Black Adam movie. Uh, who knows what's going to be in it? Yeah, how man in it? You have Green Lantern in it. Who knows? Like something knows? no one asked for. You know. Uh, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like you know, a, a lot of it is they're leaving a lot of creative freedom or they're giving a lot of creative freedom to these movie makers. Yeah. And yeah, I think they get
2: pitched these movies.
1: Like, yeah, I think I think they they get pitched these movies yeah. or if they or if they are pitching these movies, they're pitching them with a particular movie making vision, cinematic vision in mind. Right. And I think if I think if they were doing shows, I think they may have followed the source material closer. Like I think Marvel's done an amazing job with Kevin Feige at the helm and what he's been able to do with realizing his creative vision, but also trying to keep it as close to the source material as possible within a cinematic universe. But I can't really imagine a movie studio, and maybe I'll be proving it wrong in the future. Hope I, hopefully I will be. But I can't really imagine them giving us just straight from the comics, so to speak, or straight from, you know, because a lot of times they do things that is just like, you know, even now, you know, that I would be like, I can't really – Envision something like this you know it would have to be changed in some way shape or form and sometimes they deviate in very large ways that people don't like and a lot of times i think that's when the, it's it's the creative you know it's the person right it's the writers and the other people in the that are like ah that's kind of goofy let me change this a little bit let me do add this or this or that or whatever um so yeah i mean i think i think that's really why they deviate i feel like if, if they had a show similar similar to gotham i think gotham's probably been the best in terms of just give Batman stuff, just all Batman stuff in a show, and let's see how it, let's see how it does. Even though that Gotham was really goofy at times,
0: yeah. But but that, Gotham, that the Gotham garnered, been. but Gotham, Gotham also garnered this like crazy cult fan base, and it's just yeah. like you know, creatively, I will certainly give you plenty of things that were messed up about it. But like to me, that's a great example of just like a lot of stuff that I'm not, and I'm not saying you should be doing you know, 10 Gotham-like movies, but, like, that's an example of, like, ah, people like Batman, and we're gonna do something weird, let's just give them as much Batman stuff that they could possibly want, any kind of story idea, any kind of character, it might not make sense, but it's what the fans want, and what will be the reaction, and I think that, you know, the show lasting as long as it did, and having the audience that it did does suggest that there is a lot to be had there, and again, that there is a balance that goes with, you know, creative license as well, and The idea of, you know, doing visions you believe in and not and not just um, doing what the fans want. But I I just think that that's a you know, if I had to interview both of those gentlemen, that's a question I would ask them because I I, because I you know that Warner Brothers and Marvel see the chatter online. Like, you know, that's a thing. So like when they decide to just do something that's not what the fans are interested in, what is the process of that? Why do they do it? And. What happens when it, if or when it doesn't work, you know? Like, you know, we know that Feige has a big casting to do with um, Mr. Fantastic. We all know that people want Krasinski to be Mr. Fantastic. Why wouldn't you just do what the people want? Now, you may say, well, I see someone that's better. And, okay, but what happens if that doesn't work or people don't like that person as much? Like, Feige is fine. I'm not saying he's going to be fired. But, like, for Hamada, if he makes that kind of decision, like... What's the what happens if if the decision you make doesn't work? Like they just did a Wonder Woman movie that is very mixed reactions. Like it didn't seem like there was any consequences. I'm not and I'm not saying I, Patty Jenkins didn't fired or anything. I know she's gonna be doing the third one, but it seems like they're just moving forward like nothing happened. And it's just like where 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 is the fan consideration with all of this? Is it is it really truly just gonna be directors and you know, story writers kind of like doing their own thing because that's how Warner Brothers has pitched why you should do movies for them. I don't know if you guys remember, but we did the story on this podcast where I don't know who it was over at DC. I, I, I want to say maybe it was Zack Snyder. Um, it's maybe been when he was still in charge. But somebody was basically saying like, yo, like this is the place to come if you want to do like your own movie and your own vision. Like the people over there at Marvel are doing formulaic crap. Like, and I know I'm being very facetious, but that, that was, like, the, the crux of the quote. Like, that's, yep. like, been there. that's been their pitch for people to do anything with them. Is like, don't worry about story building or, you know, world building or whatever. Like, just come here or doing, you know, a certain, uh, you know, formula that's been working, you know, for 10 years. Just come and do the movie you want to do with our characters and, and we'll give you the license to do that. And sometimes I wonder if for DC that, that 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 clearly comes with so much risk cuz you have these creators who come in and end up doing things that just again people aren't interested in. Uh Zack Snyder had a vision for Superman and Batman that was cool to some people and some people had no interest in wanting to see any of that stuff. Uh Patty Jenkins for a second Wonder Woman movie had a vision that a lot of fans clearly didn't have any interest in. And it's like to me like I'm not saying you the fans should be writing your stories but Maybe there needs to be a little bit more consideration of combining those visions to make stories that people want. That's just how uh, i I have an opinion on that, or that's just my opinion on that. um staying with d c real quickly and kind of staying in the same lane, uh, another thing that came out uh, during the New York Times interview that really broke a lot of news was the idea that moving forward a lot of projects at least there'll be at least we now we know two movies. That are big budget movies that would normally be, you know, played in theaters. And obviously we're in a weird time period with COVID, obviously. But um, there are projects that are being developed that will be solely for HBO Max. And when talking to, in that same interview with Walter Hamada, he said that uh, perhaps, of you know, projects focused on riskier characters like Batgirl and Sag Shock would be, um, be the kind of projects that would appear on HBO Max. And in talking to them, Hamada admitted that there is a, a great deal of thought behind properties and spin-offs that you can put onto the streaming service. He said that with every movie that we're looking at now, we are thinking what what is the potential max spin-off when trying to come up with uh, projects moving forward. He uh, he, he acknowledges that this is obviously. Um, very ambitious with how they're going about it. He says, I don't think anyone else has ever attempted this, but audiences are sophisticated enough to understand it. Um, And they will go with it. And that's regards to, you know, the DC multiverse and how how all these movies connect in any kind of way, if they do at all. So, here's the thing about this. One, there is part of me that kind of feels a way about, like, thinking like static shock is this there is something to me that's like fundamentally a little off and to be fair i think that this was the quote from the new york Times, not necessarily a quote from hamada but i mean i feel a little way about you know you saying that static shock is a risky character i mean you know other than him being black i don't know what else is really all that risky uh, maybe it gets him may not being as known and then you mentioned the woman also being someone who's risky to do. So therefore, we can't put them on the big screen. Got to put them on HBO Max. I, I, that that was a little. If that's how you know Warner Brothers is pitching it to the New York Times, that, I think that's a little short sighted. But I do like this idea that you know for the DC hardcore fans, you know if you're going to invest in HBO Max, there is something for you. Because I think a lot of us felt like we lost something big time with obviously DC Universe kind of just blowing up and going under. And yes, they're moving, you know, Young Justice and uh, Doom Patrol and Titans. Yes, they are going to that, that service. But, you know, HBO Max kind of feels like it's for everybody. And I think there was some Like kind of like joy and thinking that, wow, there's this place just for us to find content that only we like. And I think that they need to do something bigger to really excite, I think, a lot of the DC fan base to get really fully invested in HBO Max. And it started with the Zack Snyder Justice League, which was a smart move on their part. I think this does go a long way to doing that as well. This idea that we're going to be developing shows and movies that expand beyond the universes that you see on the big screen in theaters. I think that that's a really great idea. I'm not sure how I like the idea of, you know, that, you know, oh, the women and the black people are going to be on HBO Max, that, you know, they probably need to finesse that messaging a little bit for me. But otherwise, I think that it's a cool cool idea.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, uh... Decided to push more content to HBO Max, um obviously seen with this uh even with this year coming up that with all the movies that they have uh releasing on HGO max that they're gonna put a lot of weight into it um and to me like i i agree you know the optics you know uh aren't great we consider it static like, oh, this is a risky endeavor like i said what's so risky about it you know but um, but 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 I get some of the stuff where, like you said, it's not as it's not as quote unquote it's not a mainstream. Exactly, it's not a mainstream uh, character. That's the way they right. would they would want to frame it. Uh, yeah. Which you know, again, you have your debates. I mean, it was it was already a very popular television show. So yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: I'd argue I I'd, I'd argue Static Shock is more mainstream than Black Adam. One hundred percent.
1: I was just about to say. Yeah, I was say, you didn't describe Black Adam so yeah, yeah, as I mean, right. the Rock is not. I'd, I'd, I'd argue
0: he's more mainstream than Shazam. I'm being honest; like we're talking about just general, regular folk. Who, like who knows? People like people in our generation—they—they're way more people. I, I think who no know, Static Shock. than no, you know? I'm talking about anybody, anybody just
2: like under anybody under 30. Before the Shazam movie that came out, anybody under 30, I would have said Static Shock. Of course, uh, that—that's a no-brainer to me. You know, of course. Then you have your people. There are people that grew up with Shenan and he had like a or grew up with Captain Marvel. A, he had a show, yeah, Captain Marvel. You know, he, but, of course, but yeah. yeah, you know. So yeah, that was, that's an age bracket thing and, and a demographic thing. Uh, right. But but yeah, no, I think that look, the fact that we're getting Static Shock is great. Um, I, there is, you know, I also have my questions. What's going to be the the quality? You know, if we're talking about movies. Um, you know, I'd prefer a theatrical release, but it does put less pressure on the, on the property because the movie. Now it's just strictly about, uh, how good the movie is. Just strictly reception. about just reception. yeah, receptions. Nothing about box office. Um, I think that filmmakers and actors would rather have it released in theaters because there is the upside of a movie then making a lot of money also and potentially bonuses involved. And, um, you know, if, if a movie does really well, like we saw with, you know, Deadpool, for example, uh, you're going to get a sequel. Now, if there's a recept, if the reception is excellent, you'll probably also get a sequel or you'll get okay. more content coming out from it. So I think there's pluses, there's, there's positives and negatives regarding that. But, um, yeah. Yeah. This is certainly, I think, uh, interesting news and good news to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, good news. I mean, I, I can't wait to, to see Static Shock on HBO Man, <laughs> It's good to me. I mean, I don't have to go into the theater to see uh, Static Shock. I agree with EJ. You, messaging is kind of uh, just a little bit. I understand that Static Shock is not a mainstream character. You know, I get it. You know, there is an element of risk involved in releasing it theatrically. Just based on the fact that no one really knows who he is, in terms of just, just you know, just your non someone that's not paying attention to anything, you know, someone that does, someone that doesn't pay attention to like cartoons or, or movie movies or superhero stuff or anything like that. Um, uh, but either way, um, you know, I don't know. I think, I just think they could have, or they at least could have clarified that maybe a little bit, a little bit more. And, and again, um, I want
0: to give them I want to give them respect, and I did again. This that's how the New York Times. Framed it now, no, they framed it Uh because of the interview they had with Hamada. So, if Hamada is using that kind of language or giving them that kind of impression, then that's still bad. But this wasn't a direct quote from Hamada saying that those are risky, it was the New York Times saying those are riskier projects that they're going to put on the streaming service,
1: right? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, hopefully their reception will prove that it's not a risky project, um, and uh, you know, people appreciate uh the content and really what what makes it risky or not risky is the quality of the content itself it isn't the character you know so i think that um yeah i don't know honestly i'm just excited (laughs) i'm just excited to see static shock i'm glad it's coming to hbo max i think that is a um you know i mean especially now considering everything that's going on i think it's a good decision I agree with Kendall that it's, there's less of a box office expectation. I wouldn't necessarily expect Static Shock to just destroy the box office, unless it was just unless it was just that good. Uh, but that's not ne- necessarily something I would expect. So there's less pressure with regards to that. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I think I think overall, I think this is fantastic news.
0: Yeah, and to me, like you know, something like Static, I think that that's something that I look at. You know, when we talked about it, you know, I, I've made the case that. Static Shock movie was the way to go. To me, it's something that has a very high ceiling. Um, you know how how much they're able to reach that potential depends on promotion, depends on casting, depends on you know what the movie looks like. There's a lot of things that go into it, but I think that the potential for it to do to do well at the box office, I think, is there. Considering, like I've said in the past, that like young black superhero lane is un. Is, is, is no one is unattended right now it, there's no one and it's it's a little surprising given how hot black panther was that neither marvel or dc like immediately jumped on something quickly to try to to go that but maybe at the same time these are because so maybe they didn't just rush and put something out there or start something that was a half-baked idea you know maybe this static shock being led by it might be jordan is something that's really thought out and 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 makes sense and was was is going to be created through a rigorous editorial process, so that that's you know fair fair in that regard. But I think the potential is there. There is a, the chance that you know by you kind of like putting your riskier quote unquote you know characters on HBO Max, is there a chance that maybe you're kind of creating a major league in the minor leagues in your own uh, in in your own home? Maybe something that they, they maybe have to think about. Um, to me, if they were smart and DC fans, I know this is going to sound very arrogant For us, like, they should do what Marvel is doing. And I don't mean it to take that away. But I do think Marvel is smart in the idea of introducing characters on the Disney Plus app that will then be on the base screen. To me, like, why I would do this is I wouldn't want to do a Batgirl sequel on HBO Max. My hope would be that if Batgirl is going to be seen again, she's going to be on the base screen. My hope would be if Static Shots is going to be seen again, it's going to be on the base screen. I think, to me, that... In the end, is really how you, you probably maximize your your earning potential. Like even beyond creatively, I think monetarily, I think it's a smart move by Disney to do it in that way. You give characters, you know, Disney for a long time, Marvel for a long time had like the luxury of like the first characters they were introducing had plenty of backstory that we knew about for the most part, except the maybe with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, so there really wasn't a need to have to like introduce them before. You know here. They kind of—they're running out of people, you know. Captain America's gone. You know, they're moving off from Black Widow. We, we, there's no um, uh, uh, Tony Stark, obviously. So when it comes to Kate Bishop, when it comes to uh, Kamala Khan, yeah, yeah, there is canon, but like those, as we've said, aren't the most mainstream characters. Uh, you got to make them mainstream. You know what I'm saying? And I hope, and I would, I would expect that DC it, it sees this as kind of a launching path for these characters that will then you know, they'll, they'll kind of grow into something bigger. It's almost like, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, to me, like Disney Plus and HBO Max should be like NXT for these characters. And eventually you want them to get on the main roster and be, you know, on Raw, SmackDown, main event at WrestleMania. That's to be the goal, I think, for all of these properties. And I hope that's what they're going to do. Four movies a year on the big screen, in addition to two projects on Disney, on HBO Max, that's a truly ambitious goal. The four movies a year from DC so supposed to start in 2022. I would assume the two annually on uh, HBO Max would be right around that time or soon after that. It's it's certainly ambitious. I got to give both DC and Marvel credit. They're going for it. Uh, there's there's no if they if it doesn't work for either of them, it's going to be a spectacular fail. So <laughs> it's because this is this is they're not hiding. They're not doing anything that's not bold, and um, and DC deserves a lot of credit for that. But I do quickly want to talk about one last note from DC this week that I think is important. So James Gunn on New Year's Eve officially confirmed that uh, the Suicide Squad will be rated R. If you watched the first Suicide Squad movie directed by David Ayer, that was PG-13. If you asked David Ayer, there were certainly some scenes in that movie that were more mature, that were taken out of the movie, partially to uh, keep that PG-13 rating and, and to keep it As friendly, friendly as possible, Uh, but that's not the route that James Gunn is clearly going with this one, as uh, he confirmed that it will indeed be rated R. (laughs) It's funny. He also, um, there was also a rumor out there uh, by the Vulcan Reporter that Peacemaker was going to be on CW, you know, along with whatever it did on HBO Max, and you know, Gunn laughed that off as well, saying that if it if it were to be edited for broadcast TV, it would be a 40 second show. <laughs> so that that uh-huh. um that that goes I think that really gives you an idea of the kind of world that Gunn is gonna be creating, not just with Peacemaker, but also with the Suicide Squad. Sham, what do you make of uh the news that Suicide Squad will be radar? Um I mean, I don't think
1: it's really a surprise. I think when we had seen the the, uh, the behind-the-scenes, the, the sizzle reel. They yeah, had mentioned body parts and things like that flying around. Yeah, they
2: yeah, kind of indicated.
1: They kind of wink-wink. Yeah, wink-wink. Look, this is not for kids, right? This isn't going to be the PG-13 music video. <laughs> you kind of pop, pop, uh, you know, <laughs> pop Rick culture, and... pop culture, music videos. You know, this isn't going to be that kind of a, of a movie. Um, so... Yeah, so this isn't really a, as much of a surprise for me, uh, but it is good in the sense that and it, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what James Gunn had alluded to, which is everyone's expendable. Don't get too attached, right? I mean, you don't know, uh, you know, who's gonna die for what reason. You don't know who's gonna kill them. You don't know what's gonna kill them. So yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be crazy, and I think this. This kind of story lends itself to being rated R. I mean, that's their whole thing, is that they're expendable. And that some of them will probably die. But the government doesn't care because they're expendable. So, yeah, I'm in favor of it. I think it's good. I think it makes sense uh, for this story to be rated R. It's not just rated R for the sake of being rated R. It's rated R for good reasons. and I think James Gunn uh, knows what he wants to do with the story, which is why it's rated R. So I think it's a good. I think it's a good
0: thing. Um,
2: the recent history of rated R superhero movies. Uh, is good. we had two Deadpool movies that were rated R. We had a Joker movie. Um, we had uh, Watchmen was rated R. Uh, Logan was rated R. So, um. That's a good sign. I believe Birds of prey was as well. Right. And you know, you can say what you want about that movie, but I would say it was a thumbs up for me. Um mm-hmm. so that that's a good sign for this movie in general because uh I believe it, a lot of times these movies are rated R. They're rated R for a reason. You know, they give the the filmmaker more of a canvas, uh to tell jokes or to emphasize certain, you know, violent moments. Uh, and I think that that, that'll be the, that'll be, that'll be the point with, uh, Suicide Squad, is I think, I think for comedic reasons and for violent, violent reasons, uh, you know, gore reasons, however you want to phrase it, I think they're gonna need to, uh, they're gonna want to make this rated R, uh, obviously, I believe, uh, did James Gunn do Brightburn? Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was rated R as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, so... You know, what I mean, he did a recent superhero movie upgrade. Or obviously that was horror. But um, don't remember reviews on that one. I feel like it was kind of mixed.
1: But... Yeah, I think it was mixed to negative. <laughs> right. I mean, we saw it. I mean, I, or I saw it. I mean, and it,
0: it was uh, it was uh, pretty horrifying. Right.
1: You know. So so gun has no. Uh, evil, evil. I, feel like, I feel
0: I feel like with horror, like I, I, for me, I kind of throw out the reviews to some degree. <laughs> I think that like that's the only genre that I really do that for. Like, I don't think because. I always, tell, the, I always the premise that. is the premise is almost always outlandish, <laughs> like yeah we've we've seen you know Jordan Peele do two amazing horror movies that you know one was Oscar nominated and that, that that to me was almost like next level horror like but to me like your traditional horror films like they're all ridiculous so a lot of times I think these critics they don't I don't think they quite get I don't think they've ever quite gotten the horror um, genre and that that's what I've heard from a lot of horror fans I am not one of them to be fair I don't like horror movies. But the ones I have liked, and I've seen people hate, I'm just like, well, like, yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's a it's supposed to be ridiculous. I don't know. Interesting, interesting.
2: Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like this is good news. Um, you know, I always I'm always of the mindset. I've been on the, I've been consistent. I've tried to be consistent. That on this show about if there's a movie that doesn't need to be rated R. Don't make it rated R for a lot of reasons. Business, I think it's better to allow kids. I remember being that kid who wanted to see a certain superhero movie or this and that, you know. But I want to see Watchmen, (laughs) yeah. And I was dying to see Watchmen. I was was the biggest (laughs) (laughs) Watchmen, so I've always advocated for that. But this movie feels like a movie where this kinda has to be rated R for it to be good. We tried it in PG thirteen. I didn't have a problem with the last one being PG thirteen. Oh, you got Joker, Harley Quinn, like you kinda have to make it PG thirteen if you're trying to make money. Uh but you don't have that this time. This movie yeah. is not about it's not about box office. Like it is it's always about box office for Warner Brothers, but this one I think they want the box office to be to be about uh marriage. The content. Yeah, they want it to be about marriage. They want it to be about reception and similar to Joker. And I we'll see if it look. I mean, it's not gonna be Joker. I don't think, but I don't know. Who might have said? say? I mean, the this, this gun I think is confident uh, about this movie, uh, and I think they end up getting something that's even better than I think anybody. But like, we're not really talking about it right now. In the landscape of 2020, in the grand scheme of 2020, the landscape of 2020, we're not talking about the Suicide
0: Squad movie. But now in 2021, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, keep saying 2020,
2: I mean, 2021.
0: You, you always do that in the beginning of the year, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'll be saying 2020 for the next 20 years. <laughs> the PTSD. Uh, in, in the landscape of 2021,
2: uh, we're talking a lot about Black Widow. We're talking about Mortal Kombat, even. Uh, you know, we're, we're excited about Spider-Man. No, one's, no one right now is, is focusing on the Suicide Squad movie. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but I think it actually may
0: be a movie that we look back at at the end of the year and say this might have been the best one. Yeah, I mean, and you say that you know, guns, uh, confident in it, and I agree with that. To me, Warner Brothers is confident in it. I mean, they've you know, Peacemaker is going straight to series, you know, no pilot, and it was very quick. They, and there mm-hmm. was reports <laughs> that season two is going to be in the works, like you know, yes, it, you know, so so they they clearly think they have something great, and is it wouldn't be the first time if a, you know a company thought they had something great and it was garbage. So, I'm not going to just say this guaranteed that this is going to be outstanding, but you have to feel pretty good that Warner Brothers is going this hard for um, this universe that uh, James Gunn is creating with the Suicide Squad. You know, I, the radar thing, you know, it makes sense. You know, these are all, you know, You know, the characters involved are all pretty bad people. Um, I think that the, what makes the Suicide Squad, as Shamari mentioned, engaging and intriguing is this like idea that anybody can be killed, anything can happen, and that um and that these are bad people. You know what I'm saying? The Thunderbolts and Suicide Squad in many ways feel kinda of like, you know, um like distant cousins. But the Thunderbolts to me, I always envision them there there being some aspect of redemption for those characters. Sometimes, not all the times, but there is some kind of idea of redemption and rehabilitation that goes involved with the Thunderbolts, whereas like the Suicide Squad, there never was that. It was way more raw, way more contractual, way more like I'm grabbing you for this mission because you're a terrible person and we're going to exploit you being a terrible person for our governmental benefit. And that's kind of why I've always kind of leaned toward the Suicide Squad a little bit more as a fan. Um because maybe that's just kind of like my view on the world, the governor kind of being that cold-hearted and cold-blooded. <laughs> but um, but to me, like, that lends itself to a more radar theme if you're going to go that way. So if you're going to try to really accentuate all of those um, ideals, I think that this is probably the right way to do it. So shout out to James Gunn. I'm looking forward to this project. And um, it just feels like this is going to be night and day compared to what we saw from the Suicide Squad. I mean, the, the first Suicide Squad movie. Like, I mean, I'm usually looking at a picture from that movie compared to, like, a picture for this cast. And everything about it just seems... It doesn't look like the same movie. Like, the theme, the the the, the, the feeling I just get... And yeah. I don't... Yeah. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even necessarily suggesting, like, the quality is gonna be different. But to me, like, that was going for something very clear. To me, like, that was, like... They were going for, like, the affliction short wearing people with that movie um everything in the like the like this how they presented it to me and this is going for something very different i couldn't even tell you what it is but like that that fact that i don't know i couldn't really tell you who this is going for is actually really intriguing i feel like this is probably gonna be a super super pure project to probably what the Suicide Squad has always been meant to be. And that's what James Gunn said that he wanted to do. He said he grew up being a suicide squad fan and reading those first comics and he wanted to really bring that uh feeling from the squad to the big screen, you know, that he we clearly didn't get in the first movie. So I'm excited to see where that goes. You know, that's gonna be uh that's gonna be as Shumar as Kendall said, I think an underrated film that nobody's really talking about as much but it's gonna be uh it's gonna get a lot of headlines let's uh move over let's talk about marvel a little bit so we're just weeks away from the wandavision debut on january 15th and i really can't wait for the show to finally come out and we got some uh some official news regarding exactly how many episodes we will have so um the series uh which is being directed by uh matt shackman With uh, Jack Trafer as head writer. This will be uh, nine episodes beginning on January 15th on uh, Disney Plus. So, nine episodes for, you know, obviously this is probably going to be a one off in terms of a season for WandaVision. And I guess given how those nine episodes would work, given that we expect them to be weekly. Uh, that would mean that uh, the show would basically end right before Falcon and Winter Soldier would come out on uh, March 19th. So, Kendall, what do you make of uh, the, the the length of the season? And how do you think that uh, lines up with what we're going to then be walking into with the Falcon and Winter Soldier series? Yeah, I mean, this is this is very exciting stuff uh for marvel
2: um like you mentioned dj uh the way this calendar is gonna well first of all let me let me let me let me break it down from a uh just from the from a wandavision standpoint nine episodes sounds good mandalorian is what eight episodes eight episodes it's been eight episodes um and i've never felt like i needed more yeah i've never felt cheated yeah i've never felt cheated you know i felt like this anything longer and i would have gotten just more filler a lot of times, right? A lot of times, that's what we will we'll end up getting. Uh, and Wandavision, it seems like it's going to be a very specific story, and I don't need it to drag on with useless filler. So eight episodes sounds, nine episodes rather sounds great. Um, so I, and so this this is going to be a very good show, but from a from a timeline from a from a calendar standpoint, I I saw a document, someone. Someone out there uh, on the internet had put together a document, uh, almost a spreadsheet, <laughs> that laid out the plans for Marvel in 2021, preliminarily, based off of... I was, say, I was
1: say, Kendall, did you find a laptop? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I found a laptop.
2: You know, it had some emails on it. I don't expect too many jokes about it. But yeah, I found, and it had essentially... <laughs> Uh, a breakdown of what the MCU was going to be looking at going forward this year. And we're obviously, we're starting with WandaVision starting next week. Like EJ mentioned, that'll lead into, uh, that'll, that'll be done. The finale is supposed to be scheduled for March 5th, um, which would then lead us March 12th into a special on Falcon, Women Winter Soldier. That'll, that'll kind of give us highlights on those characters leading into March 19th, the debut of Falcon Winter Soldier. Um, and if that's as long as we, we suspect, uh, based on reports, that'll lead into the Black Widow movie. And then, according to reports, according to, again, I'm, this, this is all, nothing's been officially confirmed. Um, but the, But logic would suggest that Loki would then start after Black Widow. Because then Loki would run all the way up into Shang-Chi in July, if if that is also a certain length. And if that happens, then after Shang-Chi, we're supposed to be getting What If, which could then lead into, um, I believe, Hawkeye would be the next one. Either Hawkeye, oh no, actually, Miss Marvel, and then Hawkeye. But point being, uh, What If is going to be the longest series, and that, if that's weekly, which we'd expect, that will That'll have a big chunk of the summer. Um, the point being. It seems as if 2021. There will be a Marvel. Property every week. A new a new Marvel property. Released every week. Um, leading all the way up. Into 2022. Uh, that's what was laid out in this document. And to me that, that was. Uh, certainly. One encouraging to, to, to watch. And of course. You know, Marvel and Disney—they'll have their things to consider from a pandemic standpoint, whether or not they're, they re- they want to release certain things at certain times uh, in theaters or on Disney Plus. Black Widow is still something we'll have to watch really closely, uh, see where the country is at, at a, from a certain point, whether or not they just wanna they wanna wait till, till the vaccine really starts to kick in before they release Black Widow, or if they wanna do what Wonder Woman did, where they do in theaters certain places, but then also on Disney Plus. We'll see, but. This is a very, very encouraging proposition for 2021, if the schedule stays as we suspect. Because um, every week, well, I mean, be, it's great for us. <laughs> every week, there's going to be something to talk about. So uh,
0: you should buckle up for, if you're an MTE fan. Well, I think for the, yeah. I think for the audience, uh, Kendall sounded like a Charlie, uh, Charlie, Charlie Day in Always Sunny in Philadelphia at the uh, conspiracy whiteboard trying to put together. Yeah, man. That would <laughs> um, I, let me see if I can find this. I'll send this to you guys. But yeah, it was really incredible stuff. Very
1: incriminating document. No, I'm just <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully, not incriminating. Yeah, let, um, let, me, let
0: me not have that on my, uh, on my, uh, <laughs> on my cloud. So that, you know, Disney doesn't come with the feds knocking on my door. You can keep that document. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, I mean, this is uh,
1: this is great news. I think like Kendall mentioned, I think nine episodes is a, definitely a sweet spot. Eight nine episodes, um, with the varying varying lengths of time. It doesn't really have to be a specific mm-hmm. amount of time for each episode. Um, but I think, uh, but I think I think that that nine episodes is good. Um, I, I'm uh, glad that it it should hopefully be it should be leading into Black Widow directly and uh you know hopefully what kendall is saying is correct and and everything that was in the document you know the leaked uh document (laughs) uh is correct hopefully that's all that's all real and true because i think that would be fantastic um i think the i think the cries about superhero fatigue would continue but I, i think it would eventually die out just due to the quality of the content that we would be getting and I mean, I think this is I think this is kind of long ga- kind of uh, playing the long game for for Marvel Studios and for Disney even as a company with them releasing this the, the the level of of content or the 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 quality of the content that they would be releasing on a weekly basis if this is true. Uh, I mean, it's like what else can what else would you want as a fan of Marvel movies or a fan of Marvel content? So yeah, this is all wonderful news. WandaVision uh, with the most recent trailers And TV spots that have been coming out It looks very good, it looks very interesting um, uh, You're still trying to piece together exactly what's happening But I feel like the I feel, I feel like the first the first few episodes at least Will still be like that Where you're trying to piece together what's happening But I feel like as, as the episodes continue And go further and further We'll start to learn what's going on and everything So yeah, I'm looking forward to it WandaVision's coming up soon So I'm looking forward to watching it Reviewing the episodes and talking about it um, so it should be fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that first of all, I think that nine episodes is um, great. Uh, I, I don't know if I would have expected nine episodes when this you know move, this uh, series was first pitched. Obviously, as we start to see more and more what the show's going to be like, to me, it seemed very clear that you know you couldn't wrap this up in a tidy bow in six episodes just because how whacked it is. So. I think nine is kind of extended, definitely a more extended project than I would have thought, and I think that it makes more sense now that we kind of have some idea of what we're going to be seeing. Though I still think there's a lot of questions uh, and good questions that we were asking about this project because you know it's still so wacky, and you know again, Marvel having that um, kind of really turning lemons into lemonade. You know, clearly this isn't how they planned all this to go because you know if all was how it was supposed to go we should have seen you know these two series last year uh you know winter soldier and uh wandavision and that didn't happen you know because of the pandemic and we didn't see black widow because of the pandemic but you know kind of and i'm not gonna really hold my hopes that you know this is going to be perfectly aligned as it is given you know the pandemic is at its worst state it's ever been in america um so anything could be halted and pushed back and delayed and and there's still a lot of pain maybe to be felt in this country, so yeah, that's unfortunate. But if if they have the foresight and the, if they're able to piece together this schedule for this to work, where you do have pretty much a Marvel a Marvel property available to you, new Marvel content available to you every week, basically for the whole year, that'd be incredible work by them. Um, I'm not sure that's something you can repeat every year, but that would that would be awesome. But I do. It seems like something they may be trying for the next two years. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, given as, as many pro- projects that they're they have, you know, that they're working on, and, and projects that are already in the can, that that would, you would think that for two years you might be able to get away with this. Because these Disney Plus shows, yeah, they releasing them weekly, really stretches out. Yeah, because um, we got She Hulk, we got Moon Knight, we got Secret Invasion. We got Ironheart. I mean, there's a lot of projects that are also coming down the line now. Or oh, yeah, Armor Wars. Like, there's a lot of stuff coming down the line that you know haven't even begun their work yet. But certainly, if you're only doing six episodes or whatever,
2: now and it's, this would be done
0: by next year. This would also, this would also explain why
2: we did not get or we haven't gotten a rush to release Black Widow. I think there's going to be. At least are the reason
0: why they want these order operations to go this way. It wasn't their initial intention, right? But I'm I'm looking worried and concerned about that. Like why? Like this was not how the operations was to go. So yeah, and that that'll be interesting to see how they pull that off and whether or not things
2: get messed up. Is talking Winter Soldier affected because of you know if there's any the good, the good thing is that Black Widow is not a It's not a, it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a a period piece, essentially. It's, you know, it's not in real time. So they're going back in time and that'll help. So regardless, it is, it is, it makes sense if they feel like, you know, we're releasing Black Widow in April. That's not going to change because they've had this thing mapped out now for months that in 2021, like 2020, it's got to chalk it up. It's going to be a bad year. They said this probably. They, they probably said this internally months ago. Twenty twenty is a lost year. What we have to do though is position twenty twenty one to be the year of Marvel, um, and I think they may feel like twenty twenty two as well. Um, I also think that's why Disney isn't stressing with Star Wars content in twenty twenty one. We 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 talked about it a little bit on Imperial, but like you know we're not getting the Mandalorian. It seems like till twenty twenty two. We're getting, you know, another Star Wars show, which we've talked about on our show, at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, it seems. Um, and then, obviously, we have the Bad Batch cartoon coming in uh, in the spring of 2021. But that's about it. But I think they want to focus 2021 on Marvel, which, yeah, look, I mean, they have plenty of content to do so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. Yeah, so, you know, Disney, they, you know, the mouse kind of owns the world at this point. They, they got so much going for them. And, uh, you know, we we'll have to end up seeing how they put everything together with Marvel. But I think that, you know, there's a great reason to be excited. And, you know, again, we're less than two weeks away. And I am uh, I can't wait to see what we're going to see with this uh, WandaVision project. But let's wrap up the show with some uh, news that we got uh, this week as well. And, um, this coming from, uh, Murphy's Multiverse, which is a, learn that, um, an actor has been cast to play Eli Bradley in, uh, two episodes of the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Um, now Eli Bradley is Patriot, for those who don't know who he is, he is the original leader of the Young Avengers. Um, he is, uh, a nephew, uh, Josiah X and the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, um, who also was Captain America at one time. So, you know, he receives a blood for gen fusion from his grandfather. It gives him the abilities of a super soldier. He hasn't really done much in the Marvel Comics in recent years, but, you know, at one point he was uh, someone that they, they took you know great interest in developing in the Marvel Comics. And, you know, he's teamed up with the likes of, uh, um, you know, Stature and Speed and Wiccan with uh, the Young Avengers. And we know that. It definitely appears that Marvel is moving in that direction of doing some kind of Young Avengers project. So, Sham, what do you make of Elijah Bradley, that character um, being played by an Elijah, which I like to see, <laughs> given that uh, uh, you know the character's name Elijah, my name is Elijah, and and the actor's name Elijah. So, I'm already maybe biased <laughs> in the right direction that they going. But what do you make of uh, Patriot? Uh, making the, his debut, at least the the act the character that plays pa- that is Patriot making the de- debut in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, I'm a fan of it. Um, I mean, we had uh, we had uh,
1: talked about this. When, I remember when the Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer had come out, and even before then, with the set pictures and rumors and things like that. Um, I'm a fan of it. You know, I mean, of course, Cap is no longer. Uh, around in the universe, and we know that he, um, you know, there'll kind of be a be a spot missing in terms of the whole super soldier and Captain America figure kind of being in the world. Um, so Patriot is not Captain America. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to the Captain America figure. We don't know if Falcon's going to take it up or, or Winter Soldier or whatever. We don't we have no idea. That's what the show is for. So hopefully we'll find out. Um, but, um, but in terms of Patriot being in the show, I'm uh, totally on board with it. I think it, I think it fits, uh, very well, especially since we're dealing directly with Cap and this, I see this show almost as a continuation of his movies, in a sense, because dealing with two characters who were introduced in his movies and who had very close relationships to Captain America. Uh, so I feel like it just fits, it fits the, um... Uh, I don't know the motif. It's like it just fits. It fits the 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 tone of the show.
2: Yeah, I mean, if if you were picking uh you know patriot, if you they, if Kevin Feige was like, we need patriot in the show, which one should it be? Yeah, I don't think they're doing Loki.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. So I'm totally on board with patriot being being in the show, and I can't wait to see the show. Um, you know, I'm more that's the Disney Plus show I'm most excited to see. So I can't wait yeah this is uh this is cool news
2: um this is another imdb grab you know the last time we saw this uh it was uh, <laughs> well that was even worse that was like an agent oh well, yeah that was like, agent. <laughs> just yeah. putting that on the website yeah you know, he's playing this guy you know, like, all right. but um so but this was this is an imdb grab last time we saw this was uh ant-man with uh cassie lang we were like oh who's yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> you know this isn't a kid so uh shout out to imdb um but this is a uh i think this is cool you know obviously you know this is you know this kid's only 18 so it seems like he's going to be fitting the, the young avengers mold um and i think that this could end up being a good story that was one of the things that we had talked about you know, when we talked about the Young Avengers, you know, we were like, all right, you know, we they, they're talking about doing the Young Avengers, but there's a lot of female characters involved. Can you really do the Young Avengers without any males? Like, is that what they're going to do? Okay. Um, is it just going to be like a female Young Avengers team? You know, because we had Miss Marvel. We had Hawkeye. You know, we had Iron Ironheart. And, um, you know, we had Stature. It seemed like that's, that's maybe where we mm-hmm. ended up going. America Chavez, they mentioned in Black Doctor Strange. Um so that seemed to be the route, but now we have, we do have, um, this, this, uh, this Patriot character, uh, on board. Um, we also have Wicked and Speed coming in as well, we would imagine. So it'll be interesting to see how this, how this ends up playing out. Uh, cause there are, there are Young Andrews Project on the, on the board right now at Marvel, at least that we know of, not publicly, but I would imagine they have plans. Because you don't introduce all these different characters for no reason. You don't yeah, introduce with exactly. Yeah, Yeah. You it's don't introduce. It. You know, You also have Kang the Conqueror. I mean, whether or not he... We don't know as well. Uh, and it's Kang the Conqueror in... And... and, and uh, we'll have Cassie Lang. Uh, we'll have Cassie Lang, which you imagine may play... You know, a bigger role than the one we saw in the last one. So... Yeah, this is all playing. This is all. It's all adding up. Um, I'm back to my uh, always sunny in Philadelphia whiteboard, trying to sure, put sure. things together. But um, I think we will be seeing more of a uh, Elijah squared on uh, <laughs> in yeah. the MCU forward.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, the Young Avengers. You know, Iron Lad. you said mentioned. We have Kang, Hawkeye. We we have k Bishop. Hopefully, we haven't been introduced to yet. But we do have Loki. Um yeah you know, we do have Patriot now. We have speed and wiccan. We have vision. We have stature. Um almost everyone that you'd be involved with uh are, are being introduced. They're all here. We have America Chavez now in uh, confirmed. Uh Miss America. So you know, that's like almost a whole squad. We're not missing we're missing very few people. They could decide to put Spider-Man in the Young Avengers movie. They
1: wanted to.
2: They also could. They also could do something with one of the X-Men characters if they wanted to. So they yeah. can. They they they've got plenty of. For a while they didn't have anybody. It was like, all right, we're talking about doing the Young Avengers, but we have like two Young Avengers.
1: Right uh, now
0: they have plenty of characters that could theoretically be in the Young Avengers. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing how they use Elijah Bradley in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and what his future is in the MCU. Now, real quick, my question would be because
2: you mentioned the about, about with Patriot and how he gets his powers for a blood transfusion from his grandfather, who's like the black Captain America. What's going to be the story of this kid? Are they really going to do a story
0: where there was like another Captain America? I mean, I, I, I would think that I would think that, yeah, I would think that I mean, there's a lot of things you can do. So, what we kind of understand with this show is, you know, this is going to be you know, the government kind of deciding, hey, you know yeah, Captain is dead, but you know, we, we're going to make our own Captain America. I would argue, right. what's, what's to what, what's to stop the government from trying to make another Captain America years ago, like who's to say? Yeah, maybe that guy never became Captain America. Who's to say they didn't do the Super Soldier experiment on someone else? Right, a long like, the time ago. Like, the, right. like the Weapon X, like the like the Weapon X, right? Right, and maybe that guy never became Captain America. And like, I mean, you know, from a creative ideal, like I have a million stories in my head of how I could tell that story of like what happened to him. But like, to me, like there's no reason why, and we know that Howard Stark. Had the super su- soldier serum because he gets you know he gets killed for it from uh, Winter Soldier or he had Captain America's blood or whatever he had uh, when they, when they, he got killed for it but like yeah. you, you know we know he's still been out here working on stuff and uh, it, it related relation to that serum so the idea that the government you know we know they're gonna do it with U S agent but there's no reason why they couldn't have done it in the past as well I think that's what we're gonna learn and maybe the, the people don't know him because the government didn't want people to know him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree. I mean, I feel like it
1: could be similar to... Um, uh, I forget the guy's name. It was Gravedigger from, <laughs> from Black Lightning. Bobby Lashley. Bobby <laughs> <laughs> like, they could do something like that, you know, where he's just not known. He was, maybe he was in the Army. Maybe he was doing other things overseas, right. maybe. And right. no one just knew about him. And, you know, there could be... You know, we talked about how
2: Falcon Winter Soldiers is going to be doing some stuff with you know, you know, some, you know, some racial, you know, conversations surrounding, you know, Falcon's character and him being Captain America and what that, you know, how that'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but they, there could be a bigger conversation about maybe you did have a guy who was like almost like Captain America, you know, but he didn't have like the, he didn't have the notoriety, you know, right. Captain America. He didn't have the exactly. legacy he's
0: got, you know, um, exactly. All so, that, the potential is all there for all those kinds of stories. That's why I said like the story to me kind of write themselves. If you want to go down that path, so I think that there is definitely an opportunity for Isaiah Bradley to be someone who's in the MCU that we're going to learn about in this series, or maybe in a future series, um, you know. But then you could also change it, you know. Maybe he gets a blood transfusion from uh, from uh, Bucky, you know. Like you know, maybe that's why. Know that maybe that's why he's in this show because this is his, becomes his. Because uh,
2: they said he's only getting he's only he's only going to be two episodes according to right. IMDb, which. Suggests that it could be almost like a Spider-Man in Civil War kind of thing, where he's in it, but, like, it's more so just to propel him into another, <laughs> into another property.
0: Yeah. Two of the six episodes is still a good amount, but it's, it's, not, it's not. He's not going to be you know, a series regular kind of thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. But I'm looking forward to see how they end up uh, incorporating him into the MCU. Uh, that's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Hero Talk. Uh, I want to dedicate this podcast to two people who passed away recently one our cousin uh, Terrence Talley who um, if you listen to sports talk um, and you're a sports fan he, he played at Boston College in the 80s he passed away this past uh, uh, week and, and then a good family friend Jared Getzel also uh, passed away so um, two people very important to our family and I just want to give them a shout out and dedicate this podcast to them Thank you guys so much for listening. You can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can also catch us on YouTube, New Generation Media. You can follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcasts, And on Facebook, New Generation Media, Shamara can be found on Instagram and Snapchat, MC Sham 22. Ken will be found on Twitter, at NewGenKen. And you can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, for Shamari, I'm EJ.